0: Good evening, friends, fellow dhamma ferers oh, children of the noble ones, you fine collection of medium-sized beings. I <laughs> me greet you this evening with a lot of uh, appreciation, actually, and, uh, and gratitude. I came up early. I came up in time to sit at 6.15. And, uh, you know, it was really sweet to sit in this hall with you all. I don't know how it was for you, but there were some good vibes in the hall, good vibes and a uh, sense of, of really things starting to settle. And uh, it was really very sweet to be here. I have a friend, a colleague, who's sometimes fond of pointing out um, at a certain point in a retreat, maybe now after we've been sitting for two full days and and a couple days before that, uh, that most of us by now have have noticed that we kind of have two main big problems in meditation, a body and a mind. I mean, really, nothing else is giving us that much trouble. <laughs> and it's not that when you came here and, and somehow, by some magical process, upon entering the, the front door, you were given a particularly uncomfortable body and an extremely weird mind to work with. You, they're the same ones you have <laughs> Pretty much all the time, but they sure give us a lot of problems. I mean, it would be so much simpler, wouldn't it? In some ways, if we could, you know, get around the body and the mind. Th- there are some kind of obvious drawbacks there, of course. If we didn't have a body and a mind, I mean, that's that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> and this this often uncomfortable body and this this weird mind. I mean, it gets up to so much stuff, doesn't it? The mind. Sometimes we don't notice it so much outside of retreat, but I don't know if there's anyone in here who would be interested in, if I had a special contraption, I could hook up to you and and then broadcast your mental activity over the PA system. Is there anyone who'd, who'd be volunteering for that? <laughs> if I did it, I'm not sure what you'd think. You know, Probably wouldn't pay much attention to me. But these are the very, uh, and this is how we, how we connect with life. This is life, is, is this dance, this interplay of body-mind. And it's this exploration of just what is body, what is mind? that's what we're doing here we use a uh, uh, one teaching in particular one discourse uh, from the the uh, pali canon the oldest known teachings from the historical buddha as as the basis for our meditation practice and the instructions we're offering draw on this uh, this teaching, the Sutta, the Satipatthana Sutta. It's um, probably the most uh, comprehensive um, set of instructions in the entire Pali uh, canon and all of the discourses there. Uh, It's very, uh, very famous, very beloved. There are people who chant this Sutta daily. It's highly revered in uh, in this tradition of early Buddhism. And the word satipatana usually gets translated as foundation of mindfulness. And I want to read a, a little, uh, a little bit from Bhikkhu Bodhi. We've already mentioned him, a scholar, monk, a translator, a practitioner who's translated many of the uh, of the discourses. And he says this about the word satipatana: that it should really uh, be understood as a compound. Of the word sati, which is the word for mindfulness, and upatana, which means establishment. And so, establishments of mindfulness would probably capture the original meaning of this word most um, most uh, clearly and most uh, really directly. And and I, to me, that sense of of establishment of mindfulness. Uh, has this f- tone or flavor of, of sort of a dwelling or abiding, establish and, and abide in mindfulness or in awareness. And the reason I wanted to read this uh, and make this distinction of establishment of mindfulness in the sense of abiding in awareness is that for me at least it places a little bit more of an emphasis on on the mindful awareness, on this uh, abiding and residing there then the emphasis is on that rather than on any particular object of mindfulness, of awareness. And the key is is this attitude, this establishing of awareness more important. The object is, um, we, is not so important in terms of the fact that we can learn what we're interested in learning from any, any object. Anything that arises in experience, this is really... Uh, really important and really good news. Anything that arises is a, uh, is a suitable vehicle for uh, us to um, see deeply for the arising of insight, anything. And they're all just as good. And that's great because uh, we don't get to pick and choose so much. And there's nothing that arises in our experience that falls outside of the scope and uh, terrain of meditation. So we're, we'll, we'll speak about the, the four Satipatthanas in more detail. Uh, the instructions will draw on this in different ways. Um, but I, I'll just say a little bit because um, this is something, this teaching might be familiar to, to many of you, I'm sure, but some of you might not uh, be so much something that you've studied or heard about or uh, have in the mind. And, and basically what it does in this teaching, the Buddha breaks down everything that arises in our experience, the entirety of our experience into four, um, four places to pay attention, four ways to look at, or four um, frames of reference, is what uh, the teacher Tan Jeff uh, uses that expression. And, um, and this is that, that beautiful thing that, that we're including our whole life, And as Andrea said the the other evening, or at some point, no part is being left out. Maybe uh, Sally said that last night. And so the four satipatthanas, I'll just speak speak to them very briefly, and and we'll be elaborating on these much uh, over the weeks. But uh, the first one is mindfulness of body, which we've been emphasizing uh, very much so far in the instructions. Mindfulness of feeling tone, vedana, the so kaya, nupasana, vedana, kaya is body, vedana is feeling tone in terms of uh, the pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant uh, feeling that arises in the mind in response to any contact at any sense. Uh, chitta, nupassana. the third one, chitta, is uh, a Pali word that really means mind and heart. Uh, there's not a distinction so much in Pali between mind and heart. And it's the quality uh, of the mind and heart, the mind uh, affected by uh, different qualities that might be there. So for example, one knows the mind that's affected by uh, desire or lust or wanting, and one knows the mind that is not affected in this way. The mind that's affected by uh, aversion, resistance, hatred, and the mind that is not affected by this, and so on. And then the fourth one is Dhamma. Nupasana Dhammas means mind objects, but it also refers, uh, the way I like to look at it is is kind of patterns of experience or or a certain way that we can look at experience in terms of things like uh, the hindrances and and what has led to their arising, uh, the factors of awakening, the Four Noble Truths, um, the Six Sense Doors and their objects, so it's a particular way of looking at experience. And we'll be talking about all of these more. And sometimes, you know, hearing, hearing me talk about this, it can sound like bad news, you know, that that now you're going to have to make your way through these instructions in some methodical and probably laborious and definitely unpleasant way. And, you know, it's going to be a big job. And, um, you know, you just, don't want to hear about it, you know. Leave me alone. Let me just meditate. Don't give me this stuff. And we can also hear it and think, oh well. And I have to start here and then go in some sequential way. But um, there isn't really. There is a certain kind of progression that happens organically, naturally, from what is more uh, gross, you could say, more obvious, to what's more subtle, and that does. There is some something to that in terms of of the uh, progression of of uh, the meditation, but but it's really um, they all include and lead to and inform one another, and so don't don't look at them so much as something you have to work on and as a kind of sequential uh, task you have to undertake. Um, and really, it's more a case in our actual practice that that uh, while we might at times, um, direct our attention specifically and intentionally to one or another of these. It's mostly, uh, they're, they're just arising naturally through the flow of things. Um, and our experience just shifts between them. And so, and what arises and is, might be pre- said to be predominant in any moment, um, you'll you'll find that experience uh, that our attention goes naturally to and through all of these. So for example, you might be uh, aware of mindfulness directed to the body and notice the body um, and different sensations there and become aware of hardness in a part of the body. That's an aspect of of the body. I'll speak more about hardness as a manifestation of the earth element. And then after a while you might notice that there's an unpleasant feeling. It becomes very uh, predominant and there's an unpleasant feeling tone to the hardness. And then you might notice the mind uh, reacting to that and there's aversion or resistance to that. Well there you've already touched into all four foundations of mindfulness. Just because you happen to notice this as, these aspects. It all happens by itself, mostly. So tonight I, w- I do want to talk specifically about um, mindfulness of body, kaya nupasana, um, which the Buddha praised very highly in, in the text. And I'll read a, a few passages from the kaya vaga in the Anguttara Nikaya, uh, kaya gatasati. I love, it's Venerable An- Analayo, I think, who, who loves to say that, kaya gata sati, kaya gata sati. And literally, kaya body, gata gone, like tatagata thus gone, gone, and sati, mindfulness, body, gone, mindfulness, mindfulness, gone to the body. even as one who encompasses with their mind, the mighty ocean includes thereby all the rivulets that run into the ocean. Just so, O bhikkhus, whoever develops and cultivates mindfulness directed to the body includes thereby all the wholesome states that partake of supreme knowledge. So in these quotations, uh, the Buddha addresses the bhikkhus, bhikkhus, Uh, Are All practitioners, all of us. One thing, O bhikkhus, if developed and cultivated, leads to mindfulness and clear comprehension. What is that one thing? It is mindfulness directed to the body. One thing, O practitioners, if developed and cultivated, leads to the realization of the fruit of knowledge and to liberation. What is that one thing? It is mindfulness directed to the body. And this uh, quotation, very famous, um, I'm not sure if it's in this particular uh, sutta, uh, but it may be. Andrea probably knows. Within this very fathom-long body, with its perceptions and inner sense, lies the world, the cause of the world, the cessation of the world and the path that leads to the cessation of the world. So it's kind of a different um, wording of, uh, but a a very direct pointing to uh, the teaching of the Four Noble Truths in terms of the origin of of suffering, its cause, its cessation and the path leading to the the end of suffering. It's, It's all encapsulated there within this fathom long body. In the section, the mind, section on mindfulness of the body is one of the longer, uh, more detailed uh, sections in some, in some ways. I don't know if it's the longest, but it, it, there's a lot there. And I'll, I'll just go through it very briefly. It begins with mindfulness of breathing. And, and Bhante referred directly to some of this in his instructions the other day, and others of us have as well. So it begins um, simply knowing that one is breathing. Mindful one breathes in, mindful, one breathes out, breathes out, and then breathing in long, one knows I breathe in long, breathing in short, one knows I breathe in short, breathing out long, one knows I breathe out long, breathing out short, one knows I breathe out short, so this uh, attention to um, Uh, more more detail of the breath in terms of just knowing, oh, it's like this now. It's a long, smooth breath. It's a short breath. Uh, Then breathing in, experiencing the whole body. And this can be seen in a couple of ways. Sometimes it's looked at in terms of the, the whole body of a single breath, in terms of the beginning, the middle, the ending, the entirety of an of a in-breath, the entirety or the whole body of an out-breath. Or sometimes it's, it's understood as and can be practiced in terms of uh, the breath within the whole body. And then finally, training, uh, a particular training of uh, using the breath to calm to bring calm and tranquility. Breathing in, I calm the body, the mind, breathing out. So it's a a more active training there. And the next section is on postures. When walking, one knows one is walking. When standing, when sitting, when lying down. The four main postures, I add a fifth of in-betweening. When in-betweening, one knows one is in-betweening. Good to pay attention to those in-between times. The venerable Ananda became fully enlightened in between standing and lying down. So when you go to bed tonight, check it out. Other people have been fully enlightened turning off a light switch, flushing the toilet. And then uh, all the different activities going forward and returning, looking ahead, looking away, looking behind flexing and instead extending the limbs, wearing clothing, carrying things, eating, drinking, tasting, defecating, urinating, going to sleep, waking up, talking, remaining silent. Just mundane activities that make up our our daily activities of the day. These things we do. One does these uh, knowing one is doing them, paying attention there. Then the anatomical parts of the body. So traditionally, this is the 32 parts in, in the, the, the way they tended to uh, see the body in terms of it being consisted of 32 parts, beginning with the hair of the, the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin, going through different organs, uh, bodily fluids and things, seeing the body in this way. Uh, seeing the body in terms of what are called the, the four great elements, the Dattus in Pali, of earth, water, fire, and air. So seeing uh, body in this kind of um, elemental, uh, very basic, uh, simple way. Uh, contemplating the body in terms of its nature to decay. Uh, seeing uh, that just as any body that dies, is of the nature to decay. A corpse will decay. So, too, that uh, this body will, will do this. And there was a practice that's not done so much um, anymore, at least not in this part of the world, where uh, people would go to what was called a charnel ground. It was a, a place where bodies were just left to decompose and would sit and contemplate in, in a place like that. Somebody once sent me this very cool I thought video of a a decaying corpse of an animal and it was a time-lapse uh film of this and showed the decay over many days um maybe more than a week or two I don't know it was a, a long longish period of time sped up and you could watch the process of what was recognizable as as the body of an animal changing and swelling and the the different animals and and insects that would eat it. And and by the end, it had turned to soil, and a plant had sprouted up through it. It had become fertilizer. It was actually quite beautiful. And see this process. And finally, here and at the end of all sections of the the four Satipatthanas, there is uh, just this, one knows there is a body. There's a, a refrain that ends all the section, And and one knows to the, expe- to the extent necessary for a clear seeing and a continuous mindfulness that there is a body. So we can always come to that degree of simplicity. It's an instruction right there in this teaching. One knows there is a body. So I wanna, if I ever get to what I'm actually supposed to be talking about, um, go into the section on the elements, which I, I didn't say much about. I mentioned them briefly. Because uh, there's a really kind of amazing and, and very important shift in our meditation practice um, when we s- start to see body in terms of the elements. Um, that really leads us to, um, really to the the you could say, the essence of things, in a way, and, and uh, can be a real doorway into the arena and the area of inside. And, and in many of my teachers um, in the early times of my practice really emphasized uh, this aspect of, of seeing body in this way, and I have found it so uh, important and, and powerful. Now, I use the words uh, earth, water, fire, and air, or wind, and that sounds kind of um, archaic and maybe even kind of alchemical or outdated, you know. Well, they, you know, that's an old-fashioned thing that they, they used those words and talked about body as, as these made of these things, you know. And we know, we know different now or something, you know. Some modern science wouldn't say those words, perhaps. But for this um, way of seeing the body to make any sense at all to us, we have to look at our direct experience of what we call body, the experience of body from within the body. So it's not uh, some kind of, um, well, first of all, those words are not particularly important. And um, it's not, it's not just sort of an an intellectual exercise to decide, oh, yeah, okay, uh, I'm okay with earth, water, fire, and air or something like that. But, um, and our, I'll just describe uh, the way they manifest in our direct experience and then I think maybe we'll do a bit of a, a guided meditation at some point here. So the earth element is patavidatu, patavi datu, I like to say the Pali words sometimes. I like Pali. Uh, solidity, different uh, range of of hardness to softness, different textures, roughness and smoothness, has these qualities of of the earth, uh, solidity, heaviness, weightiness, hardness, the earth element. The water element is apodatu, has qualities of fluidity, flowing, and of cohesion. So flowing like a sweat or tears or um, rain falling or urine uh, running, or um the water running over the body when you take a shower and that that flowing quality very obvious there and then and then cohesion is uh, like if you add water to flour or to dust you'll get it'll cohere it together into a lump these bodies are well depending on your age they're anywhere from about 55 or 60% water up to in newborn babies it's over 80% water <laughs> If you took the water out of a Greg, like the one sitting up here, jabbering away at you, took all the water out of one of me, or this body, you just have a dry pile of bits up here. Then the water coheres it, holds it together. (laughs) We could sweep it up and throw it out, otherwise it might be a good thing to do. If that happens, please sweep it up and put it out. If somehow the water goes out of me one of these times, <laughs> there are brooms out in the closet. And then fire, tejo datu, is, is the range of temperature from uh, hot to cold and warm and cool, everything in, in, in between there. And we see this within the body, in the world around us. So a fire is used there, but it's really the range of temperature. And then the air or wind element, vayodatu, has uh, manifests as movement, as pressure, tension, uh, sometimes vibration, and uh, one way to to notice some of those qualities is if you blow up a balloon, we get that the sense of the movement and the pressure that that one could feel there, and you can feel the lungs uh, in the same way. Um, but uh, so pressure and tension there, but also movement is an aspect, and and uh, in, in our experience of materiality of the body, usually they show up in, in uh, combinations. They may, one, or, one may predominate, but usually we don't see them so much by themselves. Um, so let's do a little, let's do some meditation here, break up the words a little bit. So you can just stay sitting as you are. You don't have to change your posture for any reason. Uh, you can if you want to. And you can leave your eyes gently open if you prefer, or let them close. And just um, feel the body sitting. Just know there is a body. This, this uh, simplicity of that. And now, as as we're sitting here, let the uh, awareness rest with within the mouth for a moment. Just let it come in there. It may kind of drift away and bring it back a little bit if it does so and just feel um, gently touch your teeth together very gently you feel feel the hardness of that hardness there the teeth touch and now if you want to bring your tongue and gently move your tongue along the 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 biting and chewing surfaces of the teeth, maybe along the bottoms of the front teeth or, or the chewing parts of the molars, the back teeth. You feel that r- roughness there. If you let the tongue feel the, the flat face of the teeth, you might feel smoothness. These all aspects of Earth element, the hardness, the textures of roughness, smoothness there. You might notice moisture within the mouth. Saliva there. You might feel the need, like I do right now, to swallow. Feel the water element. Now, press your lips gently together for a moment. and let them come apart, and you might feel a kind of slight stickiness there, I kind of stick a little bit, that the cohesion aspect some a water element there in this stickiness of the cohesion, like a glue. That's the, another aspect of water element. While we're attending to this part of the body, might feel the, the breath moving in and out of the nostrils. And there's that movement, the light touching there. So there's movement, but the touching may have a quality some earth and air. Perhaps you notice coolness as the air moves in, or if you Breathe through the mouth, through a narrow opening between the lips. might feel coolness on an in-breath, a little warmth on an out-breath, perhaps. The temperature, fire element manifesting, or perhaps at the nostrils, coolness on an in-breath and warmth on an out-breath. And you could now directing, uh, let the attention come to the the chest or maybe the abdomen. You could even rest one of your hands on your belly, the abdomen a little bit. Notice movement there. Pressure as the lungs fill, tension, tightness perhaps, and then movement and the out-breath. So the air element manifesting in these ways. Movement, pressure, tightness, tension. Release. Movement. So you can uh, let the eyes open if you'd like to or if you're like me you like to have the eyes closed while you're listening to the talk. So we explore the direct experience of, of these parts of the body that I just led us through. And as we sit through all the different parts of aspects of our experience of body we'll see that it's it's this flow of different sensations that we can understand in terms of these elements and you don't have to you know be describing oh this one's air no no wait there's some water there's some water no i think earth you don't have to get into a, a, a th- naming it all but that's the direct experience it has that that's the qualities that are there all of everything that we experience in terms of bodily sensation falls into one of these categories, you could say. And it it takes us to this level of this direct uh, kind of fundamental experience of materiality below the surface appearances of body. You know, we, our culture, we tend to see body as this object. It's a, it's a thing we have and, and we are, we have to do stuff to it. It's to be manipulated, you know, and we talk about body consciousness tends to focus our attention largely on this external image that we have to create. And we need a lot of stuff to make it right and good. We need all kinds of clothes and cosmetics and different things to work on a lot. And we kind of objectify it in this way. But in mindfulness practice, it's really different body consciousness means this subjective feeling sensing direct experience of the body from the inside very very different and this objectifying of the body really often has has this effect of kind of disconnecting us from from ourselves from the world from others ultimately the S- sensing and feeling the body from the inside really has the opposite effect of that. You know? I think maybe this is especially true in in uh, in modern life, uh, and certainly I feel it in this country that there's this sense of uh, feeling disconnected, sometimes numbed by by life and all that's going on and separate from ourselves our own inner world from others. And, and I think sometimes this sense of, of disconnection, of disharmony there is often part of the motivation that might bring us to meditation practice, to what we might call or think of as a spiritual life, spiritual search. And it, it has this way of, of um, this this. Objectifying of body starting there, and, and this sense of disconnection spreads out into how we we uh, think of and speak about nature and the environment. They're they're out there. They're they're outside the hall where the trees and the plants are, where the animals are running around or roosting, and and we turn nature. It's it's becomes kind of a resource or a commodity, something to be used or or perhaps you know enjoyed at times going going out into it but it, we see it as separate from us a lot of problems because of this tendency but if we actually look at mind and body at our experience and the body's a great doorway into this we'll see that we're the the, the body is nature mind and heart it is nature we're or an aspect of the landscape. We are the environment. We come from it. We live supported by it. We will return to it. I think there's a part of our heart and mind that knows this in a deep way and longs for that connection and that um, returning to that in a way. These are some words from D.H. Lawrence. I am part of the sun as my eye is part of me, that I am part of the earth, my feet know perfectly, and my blood is part of the sea. There is not any part of me that is alone and absolute, except perhaps my mind. And we shall find that the mind has no existence by itself. It is only the glitter of the sun on the surfaces of the water. So experiencing body from the inside, this direct sensate experience, we see that it, it's incredibly alive, infused with a kind of awareness, and that our what we call body in this way of meeting it, of sensing it, of touching it directly, that it's a process, not a thing. We tend to to affix thingness to what in our direct experience is is a process. But meditation drops us uh, below our ideas and concepts to this direct experience. And this has profound consequences, potentially at least profound consequences for us in terms of the way it impacts our very being and the way we live. I love this quotation. I think it's on on a piece of artwork or, or some calligraphy around, around uh, the center here. I'm sure it's here somewhere. I know I've seen it many times. It's probably, probably see it every day somewhere here. It's from the Tibetan teacher, Kalu Rinpoche said, we live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality. We are that reality. When you understand this, you see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. And that's on the wall around here, isn't it? It's above the stairs as you go downstairs. Is that where it is? Or on the way up? You know, this being nothing, it's, it's that is in that quotation from Kalu Rinpoche, it's not about some non-existence or annihilation or disintegration. It really points to at least the way I see it as as a release of of um, of limiting limiting views. Views that bind us to a limited and a limiting perspective. It's letting go of of a a limited perception. It's opening the mind and heart to a greater way of seeing things, a greater perception, a more broad, more complete, more holistic, perhaps. Sometime uh, in my practice here, in the early years, I heard, I thought I heard these words. And I think actually um, it's someone, they're not, they're kind of a, a slight misquotation of something from uh, the great Thai teacher, Ajahn Dasa. I think one of us mentioned Buddha Dasa. I think Sally did last night. But anyway, the words that I heard and the ones I'm gonna say to you are these. What we are doing with this practice is giving back to nature what we mistakenly appropriated as our own. And there's something for me, very profound, true in this simple statement, in these words, because to me, in a very direct way, not in some kind of, I don't know, mystical way or some philosophical decision, but in a very direct way. That's what we're doing here because everything that we experience in this body, in this mind, in this heart, everything, is just the unfolding of natural processes. It's just, all we're doing here is exploring nature. That's all we're doing. We're just getting to know nature, the nature of things beneath our ideas and concepts and and what we hold to be true and real. We're seeing, oh, it's like this right now. Just feel the body sitting. It's like this. And as we begin to see and really deeply open to and and understand this, and I'm not talking about persuading ourselves of a point of view, but just feeling the truth of it, directly, then we let go of claiming ownership of it, because it's not ours. And there's this great relaxation and this deep, profound healing that happens when we we do this. And, And there's this release of this burden that we didn't realize we were carrying around. And this is this giving back what we we're held onto and appropriated as our own. And this, through this, we open into uh, the fullness, the everything of being nothing in that quotation from Kalu Rinpoche. And that, you know, there's something beautiful and, and to me lovely in those words and in this, this uh, sense of, of being nothing and then being everything through that. And, and it might sound really nice and great and yeah, I love it. Poetry, beauty. Maybe it's inspiring, maybe not. But then you know what happens in the morning when you get up and look in the mirror. I mean, I know with for me, you know, we see. Well, I, in the morning for me, I have to kind of, have to kind of move my face back onto the front because it's kind of gotten mushed off to the side. My my hair is like this wave breaking off to one side. You know, it's all, age has taken its tragic toll and I start to kind of put it back together every morning. (laughs) Anybody else feel like that? (laughs) Like, whoa, okay, what happened there? (laughs) Who's that old guy? Who's that old guy? And then, you know, after a while, it starts to see, oh, okay, it's all right. Not so bad. <laughs> it takes a little work there. You know, and there's all these things. There's eyes and nose. And when we look at it, there's Molly's body parts. And, you know, oh, there I am. That's me, all righty. There, there I am in there. You know, and, and so with this this seeing the body in this objectified way, you know, it happens. And then, you know, yeah, it's got all kinds of problems, doesn't it? It's not quite Right a little too thick or a little too thin or its hair's getting a little not just a little a lot too thin the forehead doesn't need to get any bigger no no come down come down <laughs> that thing that you've pretending been pretending for years is just a cowlick no no hair's coming out there <laughs> it's getting all gray lots of problems You know, and so then we lose ourselves in thoughts and ideas and, you know, we... about this thing in body and we... it's either, you know, okay and we're kind of at peace with it or we're using it to beat ourselves up because we're definitely not good enough, we're wrong, and it's our fault that it's not good enough. And beat ourselves up. It's so easy to fall into that and there's so much So much of that in the, you know, we're we're presented with these images. If we had our act together, we would not look like I do. We would look, we'd be young and really beautiful, perfect skin, the exact right whatever proportions, that's what we're, that's out there. (laughs) That's what we're supposed to look like. And if we don't look like that, it's our fault, we are blown it, somehow. This is the message. (laughs) It's so strong. It's wacko, completely wacko. We buy into this so easily. But Then we come to meditation and our perspective can shift so dramatically. And we see that this thing that we look at and make into this thing, it's actually not the thing in the direct experience. It's this process, this shifting flow, changing sensations, this dance. Hardness, softness, vibration, tension, movement, heat, cold, pressure. We can't experience head or face or arm. You can't experience that. It's a concept. It's a word we apply. It, it has no meaning in the realm of direct experience. It's its just a word. And, you know, yeah, there's reality to the conventional uh, everyday world of appearances and things. And I'm sitting here and you're sitting out there and we have these bodies and they need our care and love and they need to be fed and kept clean and uh, all of that. But, but that's not all of it. It's not the whole of reality. Is, is this experience and meditation of body as this flow of changing sensations? Nothing static at all there. No thing there. Rising, passing, pressure, hardness, heat. Is that somehow less real than the thing that we see in the mirror? Can we see both of them as real? Maybe it's more real pressure, heat, warmth, coolness, tension. So, this movement away from seeing body as object to seeing it as this in this direct sensate. Uh, experiences of this dynamic process, of this flow and dance of changes, the elements arising, passing nature, is this critical shift because it takes us below the level of concept. If we stay on the level of concepts and ideas of hand, body, head, so forth, those are just ideas that they don't don't have any real meaning there. We might hold them at a certain time. They don't change. But if we look at body as this direct experience, is nothing but change. That's all we see. (laughs) Just change. And what we've held to be solid and fixed is this dance of the elements. And they appear and disappear. And if we pay close attention, we'll see they're changing, arising and passing very, very quickly, unbelievably quickly, that flow. And when we start to see that, the nature there, we see we can't hold on to any of that. Nothing lasts long enough to be held on to. We can't ask any particular feeling or sensation there to be, we can't ask it to be uh, some lasting source of, of satisfaction. We directly see that pleasant sensations in the body, they don't last different things. They, they don't last. We can't get any of them to stay, and we can't control them. It's this flow of causes and conditions. It's like this now because of causes, and it changes when those, those uh, conditions change. We can't determine, let it only be this way. Let it stay young. Let it only have pleasant feelings. We, we don't have, so it's not amenable to our will. It's not controllable. See, it's coreless in that regard. It's empty of anything permanent or lasting or anyone who's in charge of it. And give it back to nature. We, we let go of this appropriation of it as, as I, as me, as mine. And there was a sense into these, direct uh, felt sense of this, it, it inclines the mind and heart to start to let go because nothing else makes any sense. This is the realm of, of what we could say is true inside. And we see that the elements, and the body is such a great gateway because it's so tangible. And we see, oh, the elements in the body, they're the same here as they are in the external world. Same thing. what part of that is? Am I hardness? Am I coolness? Am I pressure? Is that that my pressure? It doesn't make sense. It sounds ridiculous. Oh, it's my pressure just pressure. Hardness. Hardness in the teeth, the bones, the rocks, the tree bark. Roughness. It's the same thing. It's just nature. Laying claim to any of it. See, how it just shows up in this way. It's all the same stuff. Just shows up in this way at this time and it falls apart. And and exploring bodies great because it directly leads to this uh, seeing the relationship of mind and body. Namarupa, Namma, Pali, the, the the root of the word name, namarupa, name and form, mentality, materiality. See, there's mind and body that we're exploring. We see uh, the, the relationship and this, this um, conditioning flow between these two, how they, how they interact. Mind knows. It does not have form. There's no form. You can't find it as a thing. It has no thingness. Body has form, but it doesn't know in the same way. So then we see then conditioning, materiality, contact, body, conditions the arising of consciousness, bodily sensations and body consciousness, the knowing of it, contact at the different sense bases, contact at the eyes, seeing consciousness arises, hearing consciousness when there's contact at the ear door, in the mouth, tongue, tasting at the nose, smelling in the mind, minding. The mind is minding, not minding its own business, unfortunately, but it is minding there's not mind as a thing but it does a lot of minding it knows that's what it does we see see how this uh, this coming together mind knowing body nama knowing rupa materiality mentality materiality rising mentality the knowing there it's an early stage in one model of, of talking about insight, namarupa parachaidanyana, it's the insight into mentality and materiality. And we see see how they can condition one another. So for example, mind conditioning uh, body, if uh, let say, anger or shame arise strongly in the mind. A memory triggers these feelings and the body responds. Heat might come or contraction or tightness. We feel the body uh, responding to the quality of the mind. Maybe um, the mind gets in a cooled out, calm, very equanimous place or concentrated and the body responds to that. And, and there's a sense of ease and coolness and lightness there or, maybe um, a lot of joyful interest and excitement kind of rapturous feelings in the mind. And there can be lightness or tingling or different sensations. So we see them conditioning one another. We see uh, materiality conditioning the quality of the mind. It's too hot in the hall or too cold and... And maybe aversion arises in, in relation to that. And then that conditions the rising of all kinds of thoughts. You know, they should fix it. Turn on the air conditioning for Christ's sake. Pardon my language. We need the heat on, it's getting cold, whatever it is. The mind sprinting out and we see, oh, it's this causal flow because of this and this. Hardness, pressure becomes strong after time, unpleasant, painful, perhaps. Earth element, very strong. And we see it having an effect on the mind. There's disappointment. I did something wrong. Resistance. Not liking. Fear. Pleasant sensations can arise. Soft light touching sensations in the body. There's liking, enjoying. They may lead to uh, the mind moving towards, trying to hold on. It's just nature, it's just this cause-effect, cause-effect, flowing on, rolling on, rolling on, nama-rupa, nama-rupa, over and over. So with this exploration, we see that mindfulness of the body is a doorway to this incredible uh, field of investigation, exploration, not a thinking about, but this direct sensing. Um and this kind of awareness and understanding that's already there if we pay attention. And it really points out uh, this the, the fact that our practice is not about creating something, getting some special experience or state, or getting anything that we don't already have. We're not here to get something we don't have. And we're not here to go someplace other than where we already are. I, 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 uh, I think more than one of us has, has uh, come back to this, referring to what Andrea said uh, very early on uh, in, in the retreat, in the very opening day or so. We said, we're not going from point A to point B. We're going from A deeper into A. We're going from right here more deeply into right here and now. We're not going anywhere. And so we see that the beginning and the end of the practice are just the recognition of the nature of things, what's already here right now. We have what we need. It's all right here, right within this fathom-long body. The entire universe is there. And I'll end with some words from uh, uh, the Thai master venerable Ajahn Mun, who was uh, Very, very revered, highly regarded teacher, the teacher of Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Mahabua, and others. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature, see the elements that comprise it. See the impermanence, the dukkha, the selflessness of the body. See this while sitting, while standing, walking, or lying down. When the body's nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of the mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered." So let's, uh, I'll just have a moment or so of quiet, then I'll ring the bell in just a second. Thank you for your kind attention. And uh, we have just a bit over uh, half an hour now for some walking meditation.